This evening, I want to address the issue of missional faith with you. It's only been the last five or six years that Jolene and I have become more focused on missional living. There are multiple reasons for that. Time just doesn't allow us to get into the details. But I want you to know about our journey. Uh, God was in it all the way. We want to give him all the glory. In this time, we're growing and desire to seek and reach those who need Christ in our sphere of influence. We believe we're seeing something in our lives that describes in a small way what we see in the opening passages of the book of Acts here in verses uh, 1 through 11 in chapter 1. We've become more bold and intentional in having conversations with people about Jesus. You have heard us talk about the, phys the physician. We've had a couple more conversations with him since I last shared. We met another couple and talked with them over coffee and discovered that they already knew Jesus. Another lady we met on the sidewalk during our walk one morning seemed to be downcast. And as we uh, reached out to get a better acquainted with her, we found out that she was struggling with her youngest daughters leaving home and going away to college. So as we talked, I was moved by the Spirit to ask if we could pray for her. She said yes. And then I felt led to ask if we could pray right there on the sidewalk in Water Valley. She said yes, so we did. We continue to follow up with her, and her daughter is doing well. She's more at peace. The boldness and leading of the Spirit is new to us. I do think as we in boldness reach out in faithfulness and obedience to God, we will see the Spirit work in our lives. I know some of you are doing this very same thing, reaching out to people in your spheres of influence. That is awesome, let me tell you. We're excited about that. We want to be a cheerleader to that endeavor. We are just really desirous to see more and more people grow in that same direction, to grow and experience what we, in a small way, have seen unfolded in our little part of the world. As we grow in this, I just can't imagine seeing a church like Redemption Greeley sending 30 or even many more missionaries into Greeley. God has called us to have great missional faith. This faith is seen in the lives of the followers of Jesus in the book of Acts. They came to understand three truths. They had unshakable truth, undeniable power, and unconquerable hope in the gospel and in Jesus and they went out to fulfill the Great Commission with this faith, seeing God accomplish great things for His glory and for the good of the people they touched. We have, you and I, the same reasons for faith, and we can also share in a life of missional faith by practicing these three principles. Understand, everything we're going to talk about today is amplified and moves forward in the rest of the book of Acts, so pay close attention to what we see there. So let's talk first about this unshakable truth that we stand on. The scripture says in verse 1, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. The works and the teachings of Jesus launched this Great Commission ministry into the world. He brought the only hope man has to overcome our sin and shame. It's uh, hatred, selfishness, bitterness, and division. Also, 
His work helps us overcome any fear of death, our dread, insecurity, baseless hope, and what might lie, what might lie beyond the grave. So let's look at some of the truths that are evident in this first couple of verses. Jesus was physically here on earth. He died, he was crucified, and he arose from the dead. And what we see in this chapter is the un, uh, unfolding of his life post-resurrection. He was on, on earth working and teaching about God and his kingdom, following uh, all of these amazing events of his resurrection. He appeared for many days, as we'll see in a bit. And his work was to equip and prepare the disciples to continue the work. But what I want you to see here is it says before he was taken up. So he died, he was crucified for our sins, he rose from the grave, he was here for a number of days and then taken up. He could not have been taken up, this is important, if he had not been here. He ministered on earth during this time. After the resurrection, we see him directing his disciples to continue his work on earth. We will see through time over the book of Acts how his power has been unleashed in the world as never before. He taught the apostles. He zeroed in. He focused on them because they were the leaders who would lay the foundation and the groundwork of the church. The whole mission depended upon them. They were to be the first who would carry his message to the world after his departure. If they failed, the mission would fail. If they succeeded, the mission would succeed. He imparted his teaching and commands to them so that they, in turn, could teach this truth to others. Their lives touched other lives all the way down through time until today. And we are living proof that he did succeed, and we are called to continue this ministry in our world. The next aspect of this truth is that he presented himself, verse 3, alive to them after the suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. The word suffering here means that he, he died to pay the penalty for our sins. This is the gospel. And he arose from the dead to prove that his uh, death was sufficient and adequate to pay that penalty and also the victory that comes because he rose from the dead. We also share in that great truth and joy and hope. He made... His resurrection public. There are many post-resurrection appearances we could speak about. He appeared to Mary Magdalene, to the women who were running to tell the disciples about the empty tomb, to Peter, to the two disciples from Emmaus. He also appeared to the disciples when Thomas was absent, and then a later, a week later, he appeared when Thomas was present. He appeared to the disciples who had gone fishing. To 500 believers, we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 6. He appeared to the apostles, to James, the Lord's brother, and lastly, he appeared to the believers at his ascension. There are mentioned here at least 11 public appearances, and likely there were many more. He proved his re resurrection. The word here for proof means positive proof, unfailable proof, convincing proof, sure signs and ways to make clear and powerful that he arose from the dead. This proof went on for 40 days, and it should remember all, we should remember also that following his ascension, he also appeared to Stephen at his martyrdom and to Paul on the road to Damascus. Jesus, during this time, proclaimed the kingdom. 
the coming kingdom and all of its fullness and demonstrated why we can have hope in his resurrection and the hope of life after death. The third aspect of his ministry and this truth that we're going to examine comes in verses 4 through 5. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus gave instructions to these followers post-resurrection to wait. This event occurred, as I said, following his resurrection. Clear evidence that his resurrection his presence in a continuing ministry on earth was progressing. This is, a new instru- this is not a new instruction about their lives and ministry. He'd given them this instruction before, the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And when all of this happened, when they were baptized in him, the world was changed through their lives. These unlikely men became the instruments through which the Lord powerfully proclaimed and spread his message throughout the world. The text also says, you heard from me. This confirms earlier discussions that he had had with the apostles before his death, burial, and resurrection. All of this is really confirming because it teaches us that his ministry, uh, as it was ongoing before his death, crucifixion, and resurrection, was continuing after his resurrection. This is really affirming to my faith. He also promised help to his followers. He said, wait until one would come who would empower them. No man, no group of men are powerful enough to live for God and convince others of the truth of the gospel, that love is more powerful than might, that God actually came to earth as a man, that Jesus died and was raised from the dead, that he... uh, died on the cross, the only way men could be saved from sin, death, and hell. And by believing in Jesus, men can live forever. Jesus knew that men needed supernatural power from God. They were to wait for the coming of the Spirit. They were not to do anything until the Spirit came upon them. Their life and the work of the Lord uh, was not possible without the Spirit. They were to wait for this gift from the Father. This is the... uh, the uh, power that God sent to us, this undeniable power. So think about this as we uh, move forward in this message. These are the truths upon which our faith is built, unshakable truth. We're going to move on now to the undeniable power that Jesus mentions here. In verses 6, he says this, including 7. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Lord has fixed by his own authority. This is apparently a specific time that different from the previous time that we've been discussing, a time when the apostles and followers gathered together in one location. They surrounded Christ. And one of them in the crowd, one of the disciples said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Notice he acknowledged him as God. Lord, will you? This is very revealing about what's in the hearts and minds of his followers at that time. They were still thinking in terms of an earthly power, a physical Messiah, and a physical and material reign and rule on earth. 
We must all remember that Jesus is going to set up His kingdom on earth, but that is a future aspect of His work in addition to His present rule and reign in the human heart. His rule and reign will be done on earth. The Lord's Prayer assures us of this in Matthew 6.10, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our concern as believers is a call about service and ministry proclaiming the glorious salvation of Jesus and meeting the cries of a world buried in desperate need. Christ had said that even he didn't know when he was to return and set up the kingdom. He rebuked the question, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Believers are not to be focused on prophecy and setting of dates and craving for a release from this world? No, on the other hand, I believe we're here to be living on mission to advancing God's kingdom through the power of this gift that God promised the Holy Spirit. Let us fulfill our task and then rejoice when Jesus comes. Moving on, Jesus promised this supernatural missional power. He says in verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There are three aspects of this I want you to see. First, he said this power is from the Holy Spirit. They were to receive power, not the power of the earth. We think in terms of power of position, recognition, supervision, fame, wealth, politics. This power has nothing to do with any of that. It is a power that is spiritual and supernatural, the very power of God Himself, a power of His presence within us. The Spirit was to dwell within the life of every believer. No greater power could ever be possessed by anyone. Once every disciple experienced this, these disciples in particular, they never again, hear me well, they never again asked about, asked about earthly power. Instead, they were transformed into men who are bold in their witness for Jesus and courageous in their service for His kingdom as they lived in the Spirit's empowerment. (coughs) Even some of them experienced persecution, imprisonment, and even death. Jesus has said this power was for being a witness. The believer is given a task, a mission to carry out on earth. The believer does not have the power on his own to carry out this task. The power of God Himself, of the Spirit, is needed. Therefore, Christ promises that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Both the Spirit and power are promised. This is vital and essential for the work that we are called to do. It is an equipping power. (coughs) It is an undeniable power. It's time for us to be concerned, to love and reach out to and be witnesses for Christ. This is what he called the apostles to. It's what he calls us to. Sharing the glorious salvation in him is the greatest task as believers that we can undertake. This is understandable. Uh, and, And just to see and understand that men can now live forever. Men can now be delivered from sin, death, and hell. This is the message we're called to share and there's no reason for any purpose, any person to suffer any longer under the weight and bondage of selfishness, bitterness, hatred, war, emptiness, fear, anguish, killing, insecurity. We could go on and on. The word here is really interesting when he says, you will be my witnesses. 
It's not a command, rather it's the natural result of the Holy Spirit within a person. The Lord says very simply that a spirit-filled person has the power and will be my witnesses. It's almost like it's a promise. A genuine believer possessing both spirit and power in his life is called to be a witness. And Jesus said, thirdly, this power was to give spread to the gospel. We are to witness where we're at, Jerusalem. We are to move progressively outward, Judea and Samaria, until we are reaching the uttermost parts of the earth. Every believer is to go as far as he can personally, is to give as sacrificially as he can for others to go, and is to use and support every means he can to reach the world. Our witness is to be at home in our local communities, then to other communities and states. The word in Samaria also makes a critical point. We're called to reach out to those who are antagonistic or may even be considered enemies. Christ tells us to carry the message of salvation even to our enemies and to the ends of the earth. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his book, Unspeakable Joy, says this, Here were men who had been with him during his three years, had heard him preaching and seeing his miracles, who had seen him crucified and died, who had seen his body taken down and buried in a grave, who had seen the empty grave. Not only that, they had seen him with their naked eyes as he had appeared to them in the upper room in various other places. And they had received his teaching and his exposition of the Old Testament. And here he was with them at this very moment, and I might add, resurrected, as they were standing together on the Mount Olivet. Well, you would have thought, what more do you need? Here are men who have obviously had the best training conceivable in order to make them preachers or witnesses. They have gotten all the facts. They have even witnessed them. What more can be needed? Yet our Lord says, stay where you are. You need something. You need power. And that is, of course, what happened to them on the day of Pentecost. It's so true for us as well. We need the Spirit in the same way they needed Him. We can do nothing without Him. So we need to live in that undeniable power and that unconquerable hope. But also, we need to live in what I want to speak about now, the unconquerable hope of the gospel. Jesus, we read in verses 9, ascended before their eyes. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he, had lift, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight, Acts 1.9. Jesus' last words on earth were Acts 1.8, which we've just talked about, the giving of the Holy Spirit. It was to teach his disciples about the importance of reaching the lost in our world. And immediately after these statements, in a most dramatic event ever seen on this earth, Jesus began to slowly arise from the earth. He ascended ever upward toward the sky above. The disciples were shocked and spellbound. They were beholding one of the most dramatic and phenomenal events ever, the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, the return of God's Son to heaven. The Lord's ascension somewhat ascended somewhat slowly in a dramatic, spectacular fashion. Why in this way? Remember, he had appeared and disappeared kind of at whim, almost instantaneously while he was with them on earth. This was more dramatic, more memorable for them. 
And it confirmed as well his claims to be who he was. It was his last opportunity not only to speak truth into their lives, but to demonstrate the truth and power of the gospel to them. He wanted them to never forget this. The text goes on to say in verses 10, And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Acts 1, 10 through 11. God sent two men, we assume they were angelic messengers, to appear and speak to the disciples and help them understand what they had just witnessed. They were from God. They said three important things. Jesus will return. He shall return with the clouds of heaven and every eye will see him. We're learning Revelation 1.7. In the same way that he was lifted up into heaven, perhaps by the Shekinah glory cloud, Christ will return to earth in that same manner in the future. We don't know for sure if that uh, will be his uh, return at the rapture. Doesn't sound to me like uh, his coming in Revelation 19.20, where he comes as Lord of Lord and Kings of Kings. But uh, whatever it is, he's coming back in the same way. The importance of this is to secondly understand he's coming back in the same way he left. He's not coming back in some strange manner Uh, could be confused as a different person in the same way he went, he will come back. He will not be different either in person or attitude. He will be the same, the same Lord and Savior, the same one who came to earth to save men. He will be the same Jesus who promised to return and receive believers unto himself that they may be with him where he is. We learn that in John 14, 2 through 3. Thirdly, Jesus is in heaven today, the same Jesus that was on earth, who died, who was buried, who was risen, is with God now. Today, the disciples, and we all know this, he's there serving as our advocate and our mediator. So let's talk about how to apply all this. Where are you living today in the midst of this unshakable truth of the resurrection the undeniable power of the Spirit, and the incomparable hope of the gospel. What are you trusting in today? I have to ask myself that same question. Is it the things of this world, wealth, power, influence, or is it this unshakable truth of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus? Are we building our lives on that? Is our faith standing or falling with our belief there? If you're struggling with this area, I just encourage you to read the accounts of Jesus' resurrection and his post-resurrection ministry. Do you see the evidences of the undeniable power in your life of the Holy Spirit, your words, your actions? Are you stepping out in boldness and and, and speaking uh, with gentleness and grace the truth of the gospel into the lives of people? Maybe just asking questions like, are you open to spiritual things? When we do those things, I believe with all my heart, God will work in us through his spirit to empower us to say the right things, to act in the proper manner, and also bring us to people who are hungering to know him. Are we living in that undeniable power? Also, is our life demonstrating the incomparable hope we have in Jesus Read the accounts about his return and about his ministry in heaven even now 
and be strengthened by the word. Remember, he is coming for us. Pray and ask God to increase your faith. Find someone to discuss your questions with if you're struggling with these areas. But live in these three great truths, unshakable truth, undeniable power, and incomparable hope. Here at Redemption Gritty, my prayer is that we would all live more and more in these three great truths. Unshakable truth in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, the undeniable power of the Holy Spirit, and the incomparable hope of the gospel. Let me pray. Father, we're so grateful for this passage. Father, and how it will unfold for us the rest of the book of Acts as we see the apostles and other believers live in this incredible, unshakable truth. They will minister through the undeniable power of the Holy Spirit working in them, and they will also stand in incomparable hope. God, may it be the same for us here in Greeley, Colorado, in the days and weeks and months to follow.